If you hadn't gathered it by now, we are going to talk about connections this morning. And the fact that you've got to get connected. I sent out a, an email uh, the end of the week with some facts on it that, that I had found super interesting this week when I was doing some research. And here's just a few of them. I, th I think last week I told you there's 7.3 billion people in the world. And what I found out this week is there are 2.4 billion people already connected to the Internet. And if you're not one of those people that's connected to the Internet, chances are you will be very soon because studies tell us that eight new people start using the Internet every second. Every second. That means that by the time we're through here today, 43,200 people will have signed on to the Internet for the first time. That, that, that staggers my mind. Companies are spending hundreds of billions, not millions, billions of dollars laying cable and putting satellites in space so that we can connect everybody in the world. That's the goal, is to get everybody connected. And, and today, if we want to correspond with a missionary in Nepal, I just, I just go to the Internet and do that. Uh, before, uh, well, before we sent emails, and that would take a little while because they weren't always online, and before that, we sent mail, and that could take months to get to the site over there and for them to respond. But now it's instantaneous. It just happens. So today I want to talk to you about another kind of connection, a relational connection. For the past 30 years, there's been this strong emphasis in, in our society on personal individuality, self-expression, self-esteem, self-fulfillment, where the focus is on me, the individual. I've got to do what's best for me because nobody else is. And as a result of that, we've produced a very disconnected society. I mean, think about it. People don't know each other. You don't know all the neighbors that live around you. You may not even know the neighbor that lives next door to you. You don't know all the people, perhaps, that you work with or that you associate with. You don't even know all the people in this church. You're disconnected. We, I think, are disconnected. But we weren't made to live that way. In Genesis, as I read through here, just... just highlighting some things um, on the first day God said let there be light and there was light and God saw that the light was good that was the first day the second day he uh, uh, put waters separated waters from land and he saw that it was good on the third day vegetation was started and God saw that it was good that was the third day and on the fourth day um, two great lights in the sky, the sun and the moon, and God set the expanse of the sky, and, and God saw that it was good. That was the fourth day. And on the fifth day, uh, living creatures and birds that flew, and God saw that it was good. That was the fifth day. Uh, the sixth day, he created male and female, and he said that was good. That was the sixth day. But he says in Genesis two eighteen. It is not good for man to be alone. He knew that. 
He didn't want us alone. He didn't want us to spend our lives as some hermit in a cabin out in the middle of the woods all by ourselves. We weren't meant to be disconnected. We, we were made, you were made for relationships. You were created for all kinds of connections with other people. Psychologists have a, a term for this. They call it a universal need to belong. And Jesus even needed friends, didn't he? The 12 that were closest to him, but he had others that, that followed him closely as well. So even Jesus needed friends. The Bible uses a word for uh, speaking about connecting people at the deepest level. And God's word for spiritual connection is fellowship. Fellowship. I know that in our, our churches today, we're, people think it's cool to say community instead of fellowship. But there is a difference, I'm telling you, in the word koinonia and the word for community. There are two, they are two entirely different words. We use fellowship to refer to just hanging out with people. It's not that. We use fellowship for having a party, which is not. For being with friends, which it's not. Fellowship is more than socializing. It's more than networking. It's more than making contacts with your contacts. Fellowship, in the truest sense, is a soul-to-soul -soul connection. And sadly, I believe, most people never enjoy the true meaning of genuine fellowship. They've never had a spiritual connection with, with anybody. Why is it so essential to connect with others? I think there's emotional reasons. I think there's physical reasons. And I think there's spiritual reasons or benefits. There's a guy named Dr. Edward Hollowell. He's a pioneer in the field of ADD and ADHD research, and he's written a book some time ago, back in the late 80s, I believe, and the book is called Simply Connect. And he says this, We are a nation of doers. We hurry from place to place, filling our lives with all kinds of activities, sometimes overscheduling our kids and ourselves. But what really sustains us emotionally, psychologically, and physically is connectedness, the feeling that we are a part of something that really matters, something larger than ourselves that gives meaning to life. Just as there is a vitamin deficiency, there is a human contact deficiency, and it weakens the body, the mind, and the spirit. It ravages, its ravages can be severe, things like depression, physical illness, early death, or they can be mild, Underachievement, fatigue, loneliness. Just as we need vitamin C each day, we also need a dose of human contact every day with other people. Dr. Hollowell. Most of us don't know that one of the major factors for maintaining your health is a need for deep human contact. If you really want to be healthy. So what does it mean to be spiritually connected? That's what we're going to look at for the next few minutes here. What is it like, that spiritually connected thing? The Bible has some metaphors, some words that <clears throat> give us illustrations or pictures of, of uh, what it is like. And, and there's four that I want to look at today. So being spiritually connected is first, it's like being a brick in a building. 
the Bible compares the church to a spiritual building. Ephesians 2.20, this is from the International Children's Bible, it says, New believers are like a building that God owns. Jesus is the most important stone in the building, and the whole building is joined together in Christ. You are being built into a place where God lives through the Spirit. This building, this renovation church building, is a very complicated building. It looks kind of simple, but it's very complicated. There's lots of details to it. I can remember walking through this place, this particular room right here, while we were trying to retrofit it so that we could have worship, and thinking, man, this takes tens of thousands of little parts all together to make this thing happen. And the key to making a building is that all the parts fit together, isn't it? If they don't fit together, then you don't have a building. If a beam, for example, is half an inch short, the wall's going to collapse or the roof is going to collapse. If it's half an inch too long, then it's not going to fit together at all. If a door has hinges that aren't in the right place, or it's too thick or it's too thin, too narrow, I should say, it won't fit, and it can't be connected to the building. If you run a pipe through a hole and you want it to connect to something over there on the other side and it's an inch too short, then it's not going to fit. It, too, has to be connected to be a part of the building. In fact, if it's not connected, it's not a part of the building. It's just a pipe. I walked around, I saw lots of pieces all over this floor, different kinds of pieces of potential building lying here. I saw pipes and pieces of wood and metal and switches and boxes and wires, but as long as they were disconnected, they weren't really a part of this building. You might say they're in the building, but they're not really part of the building until they get connected. And if you come to Renovation Church, you attend here, you're in the Renovation family, but you're not really a part of Renovation Church and the Renovation family as a whole because you're not connected. You come and you sit and you hear God's Word and you sing the songs and then you go out and you talk to people in the parking lot and then you go home. You're a spectator. You're not actually a participator. And you need to get connected. Ephesians 2.21 says, We who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. See, God is building a spiritual temple. He's building a living temple. And, and this temple's going to last forever. And to be a part of it, you've got to get connected to it. Well, why did, why did God choose building as a metaphor for the illustration of being spiritually connected? It's because in a building, all the connected parts support each other. Beams support other beams, walls support other walls, and the roof holds all the walls together. The walls hold the roof up. 
They're all connected. They're, they're all supporting. Connection is one of your deepest needs in life. You need support. You need emotional support and physical support, and you certainly need spiritual support. And where are you going to get that support if you're not connected? Who's going to hold you up in the tough times? And they will come. If you're, if you're not having a tough time right now, it will come. You need the support of being a brick in a building. You weren't created to go through this life disconnected or unsupported. The second metaphor for being spiritually connected is it's like being a part of a body. Part of a body. He calls it that because the church is in other places called the body of Christ, isn't it? Over and over again. It, it compares the church to a physical body. And, and Romans 12 is where we're going to look. That's, that's the first scripture I would go to to look about this body uh, analogy. Verse 4. Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we all have a different work to do. So we belong to each other, and each needs all the others. So there's a couple of things here I want you to take note of. The first is, in a church, we all are different. I mean, look around. We're all different. We're all unique. We were uniquely made. God doesn't want you to look like, be like anybody else. He made you uniquely you. He doesn't want you to have to copy anyone else. We all have different work to do, don't we? In a body, not everything does the same task. I mean, can you imagine a body, a physical body, where every part of that body does the same thing? We're all hands. We're all ears. I think Ross Perot said he was. We are all eyes. All mouths. Yeah, a lot of those, aren't there? It would be unnecessary. We have different roles to play, each one of us, in the body of Christ. And I believe we're brought together for that reason. Thirdly, we all are needed to make the body complete. Now, you may think, well, in this body, I'm just a toenail, just a little toenail. But let me ask you, have you ever lost a toenail? You know when you've lost your toenail. Even when the smallest part of your body gets hurt, you notice it. There are no little people in the body of Christ. The point is size and significance have absolutely nothing in common. And if you're at Renovation Church, you are needed here in this body of Christ. You're not here by accident. God brought you here. Some of you have told me, well, we, we're just trying different churches around, and we just uh, stopped in here today to see what you're doing. I don't believe anyone comes here by accident. I think that God directs you to this place because you have a role to play in this body this body of Christ that we call Renovation Church. Actually, today, 
I can tell you that we call this place Renovation Vineyard Church because we were officially accepted this past week, finally, after a long, 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 long time. So this is Renovation Vineyard Church. Fourthly, we all belong to each other. The Christian life is not a matter of just believing, is it? It's a matter of belonging. And you've heard us say, if you've been around here any time at all, we're a church where you can belong before you believe. Now, I've had some of my theologically educated friends uh, counter me on that and say, no, 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 you've got to believe before you can belong. No, I don't, I don't think that's true. We want you to belong. Feel like you're belonging and the believing will come as a part of that. If someone walks in here that looks different than us, that dresses different than us, we need to accept them. We need to make them feel welcome. We need to let them know that they're loved. And through those experiences, they'll listen and become believers. I mean, you can say that you believe in Jesus, and that's great. But that's only halfway there to the goal. You need to belong as well. And number five, we all need to be connected to each other. When you're disconnected, you're not very effective. I mean, what good is a body part, going back to that? What is good is a body part that's detached from the body? An eyeball can't see much unless it's attached to the body. A hand can't lift anything unless it's connected to the body. And here's, here's the parallel, I guess, that I'm trying to get to. God wants you to be connected to his body because you can't be effective as a Christian and grow spiritually without being connected. So why do you think God chose body as an illustration of the church being spiritually connected? Because in a body, all the parts grow together. Hopefully, hopefully you don't have one arm that's this size and one arm that's this size. They, we grow in symmetry. I, I don't know how to say it much, clear, much clearer than this. You can't be all that God wants you to be, and you can't grow to be what God wants you to, to be without being attached to a body, without being attached to a church, without being attached to a connect group. It's the second most important connection in your life. The first, of course, is your connection with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. But after that, you need to get connected to the body of Christ. Colossians 2.19 says, We are joined together in His body by His strong sinews, and we grow as we get our nourishment and strength from God. Sinews, that's a strange word, isn't it? It's the ligaments and tendons and connective tissue that holds our bodies together. Otherwise, they'd just be flopping around. And if you're serious about spiritual growth, you have to get connected to a group and say, that's, that's where I'm going to grow. If you think you can grow in here, 
on Sunday morning for whatever it is, an hour, hour and a half that we're in here, if that's all the growth you're going to get, you're wrongly, I mean, you're mistaken. You're mistaken. It has to take place in other venues as well. You can't grow as you're supposed to grow and be on your own without being connected to a group. The third metaphor, I think, is being spiritually connected is like being a sheep in a flock. Psalm 103 says, God made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Now, I don't know. That probably doesn't sound too appealing to you. kind of sounds smelly. And if you know anything about sheep, you know they're dumb animals. They can't take care of themselves. But if you remember in Psalm 23, the psalmist says, Because I know the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I want. Everything. When you get into God's flock, the great shepherd, that's Jesus, takes care of all of your needs. Every need in your life. In John chapter 10, Jesus begins by saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's how much you matter to God to take us back to the last couple of weeks that we were here. That's how much you matter to God. Jesus laid down his life for you. And then in the rest of the book of John, he has these references. A hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep, so when the wolf comes, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolves attack the flock and scatter it. A hired hand runs away because he cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, and I lay down my life for my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one can ever snatch them out of my hand. That's a shepherd. That's a good shepherd. So why did God choose flock as an image of what it means to be spiritually connected because in a flock the sheep are protected and they're cared for that's one of the functions isn't it of the church you need that in your life when you're getting beat up in the business world when your marriage and your family are being strained to the to the last nerve when you're facing an overwhelming personal crisis or health crisis, you need people. People who will step up to bat for you. You need people who, when everybody else in your life is walking out of your life, they walk into your life. In every church, in every connect group, God gives to that group certain people people who are good at caring for other people. They're good at loving. They're people people, we would say. They're good at leading and encouraging discussion or teaching or supporting and helping all of the people in that group. They're called by a lot of different names. Shepherd was one, pastor's another. But in our groups, we call them hosts and facilitators 
and helpers. It really doesn't matter what name you give to it, what moniker they have. These caring individuals of the group help care for the flock. And the important thing to remember is not so much their title, it's that you need them. Each one of you, each one of us needs them. Every sheep needs a shepherd. Every person deserves individualized, personalized care. And regardless of what you call them, the job description for these people can be found in 1 Peter 5, verse 2. Take care of God's flock, His people that you are responsible for. Watch over them because you want to, not because you're forced to do it. This is a voluntary position. If you feel like you have to do it, then we don't want you to do it. You want to do it, not because anybody is forcing you to do it. And the last metaphor, the fourth one that I have for you today, of what it's like to be spiritually connected is this. Being spiritually connected is like being a member of a family. The Bible calls the church the family of God. We're a spiritual family. We're, we are, in fact, God's family. Now, many of you live a long distance away from family members and relatives. Many of you are single adults. Many of you have a marriage or a family that's not supportive of your spiritual development and your spiritual growth. We are that family for you. We will help you. We love you. We want to care for you. We want to help you be all that God wants you to be. So how are we to act as members of God's family? Romans 12.10 says this, Love each other like brothers and sisters. You're good brothers and you're good sisters. I know we have some spats in our families from time to time. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Why is that? Because we're in a family. The phrase one another, I looked this up some years ago when I was uh, teaching another course and the phrase one another is used 58 times in the New Testament. I think I still have them underlined. The Bible says we are to love one another, care for one another, encourage one another, support one another, give to one another, help one another, and on and on and on. That's what it means to be a member of a family. You're not just a spectator in the church. You're a participator. You're not on the outside looking in at the family. You're on the inside as a member of that family. I think all of you will recognize the words to, uh, to this song. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries Sure would help a lot Wouldn't you like to get away?
Okay, that's fine. I want to submit to you that that's not a description of a bar. That's a description of a connect group. When you go to a bar, everybody doesn't want to know your name, do they? <laughs> but you get involved in a connect group, even in a family like this. And in that connect group, everybody wants to know your name. You figure that out pretty soon. And also you figure out that all our troubles are the same. We share in those troubles. Now, I've said this a number of times in the past, but I thought I would repeat it today. If you're a perfect person and you've got it all together, there's no sin in your life, you're absolutely perfect, then I want you to go find another church. I'm serious. I'm serious. You don't need to be here. No perfect people need to apply at this place. Now, on the other hand, if you're a big bad sinner, then come on down. Come on down. This is the place for you. If you've got some hang-ups and you're a few screws loose, you're a few eggs short of an omelet, your elevator doesn't go all the way to the top, maybe you've got some bad habits, a few hang-ups from your past, this, this shady little thing that you wish nobody would ever find about that you're trying to work on now to rid it from your life. You've got some area of your life that, that just isn't all together. Then guess what? This is the place for you. This is the place for people who have blown it and want to change and want to grow and want to make a difference, who admit that they don't have it all together, if you're that way, then you are welcome here. And by the way, if you ever find a perfect church, don't join it. Because the minute you join it, it won't be perfect. Why did God choose the... Uh, metaphor family as an illustration of what it's like to be spiritually connected because in a family the members love each other and I believe that's one of the reasons why God has his hand of blessing on this church it's because the family here really do love each other some of you have already experienced that makes all the difference in the world doesn't it and I want to close with just one question. No, knowing all of these things that we've talked about here in these few minutes, why should you stay disconnected? I mean, give me one good reason. One good reason. When a church like this that offers so much for you, why would you want to stay disconnected? Why should you remain a spectator instead of being a participator? God has designed the church to meet all of your needs, your basic needs, your fulfillment needs, and he does that through spiritual connections. So you've got to be wondering, how in the world can I get connected? And I am so happy you asked that question. 
because we are beginning connect groups. Notice we're not calling them small groups. We're calling them connect groups because I really want the goal, the purpose, the end game of our small groups, our connect groups, to be connections. I want us to get to know one another. Uh, some of you float in here 20 minutes after the music starts. You don't, you don't meet anybody, and then you take communion. You're out of here before, before people are through, so you don't get to talk to them then. There needs to be a time that we can connect with one another, and connect groups are that time. We've uh, designated five right now. We have another that we can add if we need to. Uh, each group is limited to eight participants. Eight. So that's 40 people. Uh, you think, well, that's not very many. Well, let's see. If we fill this up, I guarantee you. I mean, I'll do a, I'll, I'll, I'll do a group if that's the case. Uh, when I call your name, I want you to go over here to the information counter, and you'll find a sign-up sheet that lists your particular group. Go, go stand behind that sign-up sheet and let the people know who you are. But hurry over there. Don't take three days to get over there. Uh, the, and we're all studying the same thing. We're all looking at a study from Nikki Gumbel, the originator of uh, Alpha, and it's called The Jesus Lifestyle. It's a sort of in-depth look at the Sermon on the Mount. It comes in three installments of six weeks each. So the first installment we're going to try to get in before Christmas or certainly by the mid, middle part of January. The second one will start after that sometime, uh, probably mid-November, late November. And then the third one, we'll, we'll find out when that follows after it. And I would like for us to think in terms of, I'm not going to be with this group of people forever. I would like for us to, at, after we do a couple of, of these uh, sessions, to switch. So you get to know a whole new group of people. That's kind of scary, isn't it? I just got to know these people. I love them. I lo you'll, you'll love some other people, too. That's the whole point. We, we're to love each other. Group number one is Joel and Paula Wilson, and they're up here in Carolina Crossing Boulevard. Joel's handling kids right now, so Paula's going to go over there. Group number two, oh, that, they meet on Monday evenings. Monday evenings. Uh, group number two, also meeting on Monday evenings, uh, is Ed and Karen Elliott. Karen's already over there, and Ed's walking up now. Monday evenings. Um, group number three, on Tuesday evenings, is at the home of Tim and Pat Turner, and they're not here today, Tim and Pat Turner. Group number four meets on Thursday afternoons. We wanted to be sure we had at least one group in the afternoon for some of you people that have trouble getting out at night. It's going to meet at the home of Linda Cheek. There's Linda, and she's in North Myrtle Beach. <clears throat> group number five is going to meet Thursday evenings at the home of Andy and Cindy Griggs, and Andy's over there right now. And we'll see how the sign-ups go today. If we need to add another group, we'll add another group to it. But don't leave here without at least taking a look at the Connect groups. I want every one of you to be involved in a Connect group.
to become a participator instead of a spectator. Get in the game. It's time to get in the game. God, we just thank you for this church. We thank you for your people here. We thank you for the ones that you've called to be a part of this church. I thank you for the the folks who have stepped up to offer their homes, offer that hospitality, uh, for the people who have already uh, determined to be uh, facilitators in those groups. And I pray that you will bring together the people for each group that you pick. Not necessarily that we want to pick, but that, that you pick. And you know why. You know what the importance of their being in that group at this time in their life is. So God, we, we wait with anticipation to see how you're going to work out the connect groups in the fall of 2015 here at Renovation Church. In Jesus' name, amen. I will tell you that uh, some time ago, I, I was part of a uh, uh, small group uh, uh, call for the congregation to come together, and we had a group of folks from North Carolina, uh, Sunset Beach, I believe, that it was sea trails that that needed to have a facilitator come to their house because none of them wanted to facilitate but they they lived on a cul-de-sac all the people lived on the cul-de-sac and they wanted to get together as a small group but they needed a facilitator so i went up to sunset beach or sea trails every uh tuesday night for the group and we had a pretty good time uh food and uh praying for one another and uh, discussion and got to know one another pretty well. And the week before Thanksgiving, one of the couples in that group had a son who committed suicide. The day before uh, our small group was to meet, so that would have been on Monday, and they had left to go to Pennsylvania, I believe it was, for for whatever needed to be done. And we came together as a group. We prayed for the the couple. Um, what do you say to somebody whose son, young son, 20 years old, uh, has committed suicide? I mean, what, what, do you, what do you do? Well, as we met that evening, we had eight uh, other, we had, we had five other couples. So there were 12 couples and me, five other couples in the group. Every one of those people had lost a son or a daughter to suicide. They lived on the same cul-de-sac. Nobody had ever talked about it, but they were there for one another. And I knew then that we couldn't put groups together. God has to put those groups together because he knows exactly who needs to be there for exactly uh, exact uh, circumstances like that. He's a good and gracious God. They knew exactly what to say. And they still love each other today. We find ourselves today connected to this table. Jesus asks us to come and be connected here as often as we can. And he reminds us that on on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke the bread and he said, Friends, this is my body and it's broken for you. And after the meal, he took a cup and poured wine in, saying, This cup is the new covenant. It's in my blood that's poured out for the forgiveness of all of your sins. 
all of your sins. He said, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you remember my death until I come. And he invites each one of us to come and be connected at this table. It's a very special way that we're connected here spiritually. And we're not only connected here, we're connected with brothers and sisters around the world. This is, this is World Communion Month. Uh, different churches celebrate that. They call it World Communion Sunday, and they do it at different times, but I know it's World Communion Month. I know that my brothers and sisters in Nepal had their communion uh, last, last morning for us, but last evening at their church. And all around the world, people are coming around the table. And we join with them because we're all in the same family, aren't we? We're all connected. He invites you to come to his table today. And he calls each one of you by name. This isn't our table. This isn't a renovation vineyard church table. This, this table is the Lord's table. And it's open to anyone who, <clears throat> who has trusted in Jesus for their eternal life who has given up control of their lives to him. It's open for you this morning. And if you find yourself in here and you're, you haven't done that, then this is a great time for you to, to make that commitment, that decision, if you will, to turn your life over completely. Now, I'm not going to take it back. I'm going to give it to him and let him have it. I think many of us would say, we did that. And we grabbed it back because he wasn't doing something fast enough. And then we give it back to him. And then we take it back again because some other reason. He wants it to be his. Give it to him. Let him control your life. Let him be the manager or the CEO of your life. Let him call the shots for you. He's inviting you to do that today. The baskets are for your connect cards, <clears throat> for your uh, tithes and offerings. So come, want you, to his table as he calls you by name. Jesus is calling you just now. Come.